Oh, he does not care. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I like that song, y'all. Pastor Yolanda, my shout out is y'all sing that on Sunday. That hallelujah. That one. For the Lord, what's the Lord on high? That one. That's good stuff, isn't it? I felt Jesus enter the room when they sang that. That's my, y'all just, you know, you won't, you won't get a bonus or anything if you play it, but it would be nice, you know. <laughs> As I was uh, seeking the Lord, the, the, uh, seeking the Lord about what to speak about, uh, what to teach on tonight, the Lord really opened up um, the word to me and started to just speak peace. You know, it's okay just to stop and expound on what God has for us in, in, in the world of peace, in the word peace. And, uh, and it's funny because I, I titled my message, Incubator for Peace. What's an incubator for peace? What helps uh, some peace thrive and grow in your life, right? So I, I've already been working on it, and I come in today, and the Lord, I don't know what it is about this book. Have you all seen this book? You love it, don't you? I am telling you life-changing. Is it not? I, I don't know what it is, but like every time I open it, it's not just good. It's like prophet, way prophetic. Okay. And I know I tell you about it all the time because Jesus speaks to me in this. I don't know. And it's like, he writes me letters and hands them back down to me. It's like, and so I'm in the office today and I said, come on, Jesus, say something to me today. And he says, I want to teach you the art of carefree living. No racing heart or sweaty palms. No feelings of disaster or fearful expectations. No sleep deprivation. Somebody say holla. Or moral conflicts. No more mountain carrying. No more corpses on your back or tormentors on your shoulders. No more tied up emotions or overpowering people running your emotional world. Wow. Roll and cast each care on me. My shoulders are as wide as the universe, and your problems are as tiny as a a portion compared to my life-saving abilities. I can solve the problems of all existing things at once. This is who I am. Choose a life of carefree living. You can serve me best this way, free and unencumbered. Live, your, live with your wings spread, soar, fly, glide in security and peace. Okay, that's for today. Above all, don't worry about the threats of your mind. They are uh, untrained, old life thoughts. Take them and force them to submit to my way of thinking. Make your mind a peace factory. Make your emotions a healing hospital and make your faith your wings. Now I know that this word is for someone here tonight. Because the moment I walked in and started reading that, I went, you want me to talk about peace tonight, Jesus? (laughs) You're just confirming it right and left. I'm telling you, I feel it in the room. I felt it all day today that there is someone here that needs peace. Needs peace spoken over their storm right now. They just need peace. I don't know who it is, and I don't know if it's just one person or the whole lot of you, even myself. So we're just going to pray and ask God to write it on our hearts tonight. Are you ready? Father, I just thank you that your presence is here and ready to change us, mold us, make us more like you. Father, I just ask that 
every word that comes out of my mouth would be filled with peace and love. Let people begin to feel you surround them with that carefree living, that they, our minds begin to change. Our minds begin to change and old thoughts that caused fear and worry and doubt would go away, that they would begin to be broken. Every word that's spoken tonight that has to break every fear, every worry, every doubt, everything the enemy has had us carry for so long that causes us to, to just not even sleep. It has to be broken tonight and we walk out with a new mind, the mind of Christ. In Jesus' name, we seal it. We thank you for it, Father. Do the work in us now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, let's open up the word. Y'all ready? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 through 3, New King James Version. I'm going to read it from here. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Okay, so Paul, I'm going to give you a history. Three chapters prior, Paul talks about everything that God has done for us out of love. He's, He's letting us know all ahead of time what he has done for us and how much he loves us. So that's your homework. Go home and read Ephesians chapters 1 through 3, because the beginning of 4 starts with therefore. So there's a, there's a, if you know English, which I struggle there, but if you know English, there's a, there's a part that comes before the therefore, and then the reason why you do the thing prior. Does that, does that make sense? That's why I'm not an English major. Therefore, we're going to do this. We're going to walk according to the calling that we've been called because he loves us. Now, they, they want you to, he wants you to get a hold of this because he wrote three whole chapters on it prior. He doesn't want us to walk worthy of the calling, which is hard, by the way, because we're earning his love. He wants us to walk according to the calling of God on our life because he loves us so much. Does that make sense? So there's no earning God's love. He's already done it. Three chapters of why he loves us. So therefore, we do this. It's like um, when you're disciplining your children. You say, uh, well, you're supposed to say, (laughs) I should back up, say, say, I love you, therefore, you live in the house for free. And therefore, you're not going to decorate your room in zebra print from head to toe. That's, that was an argument I had this week. And so we, what we don't say is, because you made an A, you get to live in my house now. <laughs> Unless you have an 18-year-old or something. I don't know. I don't want to get in. If you're dealing with elementary and middle school children, you don't say to them, because you were good this week, you get to lay your head on a pillow. You don't do that, right? The Lord said he has three whole chapters committed to how much he loves us and what he has done for us. Therefore, we walk according to the call. I think that's where uh, religiosity 
beats people down. They don't want to be Christians because all we do is tell them uh, what they have to do and they have to do. Bah, bah, bah. It's like a hammer. You have to do this. You have to do that. You can't do this. Da, da, da. No, no, no. If you really get a picture of God's love, you just, you just get it all of a sudden. You just want to do it. You just want to walk worthy of the call on our lives. Not because we've earned it, because we'll never earn it. It's definitely different for us to grasp because it's not what the, what the world has taught us. Has, is it? No. We, it, you know, my gosh, I have never seen so many uh, women make men earn the right to sleep in the bed at night with them in their marriage. You know what I mean? We make them work for it. Take the trash out. Make the dog go potty. And if you don't do all your chores, then you, don't get, you have to sleep on the couch. You know, like you see it on TV all the time. You see it on the TV. They, that you make people earn the relationship. Is it true? And Christians, we sure don't show a better example. We sure don't. We make people earn the right to go to church. You have to look a certain way before you can step into the house of God. You've got to talk a certain way. Forget stepping into the house of God because we're all messed up and that's where we're supposed to go, right? We just make everybody earn everything. So as the church, we have to change that opinion. See, I don't think all of us do that. But what has happened is there's been this, uh, the, the church did it for so long that now it's something we have to break. And the, the only way you break something is if you are consistent and you are, that you, you constantly beat out that thought that other people have about Christians in general. Christians are judgmental and they're this and they make you work for that and that da, 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 and that's re- something religious that we got to break i'm i think we're called to break it do y'all feel called to break that i want you like you are come as you come as you are that's what i want because when you walk in the doors i want you to know that you have not earned one drop of his love it's only given freely and none of us have really earned it at all we're all just walking debtors walking slave Walking slaves. I, therefore, the slave. I don't even own my life. Who was I telling that to the other day? I don't even own my life. I don't get to make judgment calls about who I am because I don't even own myself. So he's saying, therefore, we walk according to the call. Okay, now, here's where it gets good. Everybody say, here's where it gets good. Pastor Lindsay, you're already running out of time. Shut up. Move on. (laughs) Don't tell me to shut up. How do we work, walk worthy? What does worthy look like? Char- characteristics of worthy. Let's read verse 2 again. With all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. Um, first of all, I would like to say that if anybody is bearing with me, that's sad. You know what I mean? Like, that's my worst nightmare, that someone is just dealing with me. They're just, Pastor Lindsay, we're just, we just deal with her because we love Pastor Randon so much. We just bear with her because we love Pastor Randon, so we just bear her, okay? That is concerning the people that you're not going to like. So God has already put in the word that you're already going to have to just bear with somebody. Did you know that? He's not saying that when you come to church and when you join, you join into the body of Christ that everybody's going to be picking daisies and smelling wonderful and everybody's breath smells like peppermints and everything. No, no, no. He's, he's saying you're already going to just have to bear with some people. And, but here's some of the other characteristics. Lowliness, which in some, in some 
uh, versions is um, meekness and also gentleness. Let's see what else. Lowliness, gentleness, long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. Lowliness does not mean low self-esteem. The definition of lowliness or, well, I have two different because the versions, they say meekness or lowliness. So lowliness is being happy or content when we are not in control or steering things our way. The meek in this, uh, when it's translated into the Greek in this verse, is praos. So don't say I never taught you anything. P-R-A-U-S. Is that praos? Praos? I took Greek and I still can't say it. It means strength brought into control. Does not say anything about being weak. If someone says that uh, you are meek, it does not mean that you are weak. <laughs> if someone, if God, Lord is telling you to be lowly, he's saying you're so strong, please contain yourself. There's a few a uh, few people in the Bible that were meek. Abraham, who I think it's hilarious that he calls himself meek. He says, I'm the humblest of everyone. <laughs> I'm glad y'all think that's funny too. Uh, Abraham was meek and David was meek. These are strong men. We're talking about military. I, I watch a lot of the History Channel. I can't help it. They talk about Moses in totally different light. They talk about Moses from a military standpoint. Do you know he's like a military man? Like the dude had moves, skills. He could like hide from the enemy and scoot this way when nobody was looking. And then, and then Abraham, who is like powerful, he is like the big daddy. He's the father of our faith. And then David, who was a warrior. And these are all men that were meek in the Bible. So I'm su- suggesting that for us to be lowly, to be meek, is actually to be strong and learn to control our strength so we don't hammer anybody down, right? So we don't plow anybody over. In, uh, in Psalms, uh, I didn't give you this verse. Sorry about that, Will. In, nope, the wrong one. Psalms 37, 11, it says, Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes uh, to past." Hold on one second. I'm sorry. 11. But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Every time I looked up the word meek or lowly, it's directly connected to peace. Who wants peace of mind? I, uh, can, I borrow a, uh, can I borrow a 20 from somebody? A 50? A 100 might work. Heck. I will leave with 100. You pay me the right amount, and I'm, I'm gone. What's this? Is this a 20? All right, come here. Come on. Come on. You're going to help me out. You're going to help me out. Come on. Come on. Okay. Where's a mic? I need a mic. You got one? Five. Five. There you go. What's your name? Uh, Noah. Uh, did you build a boat? Is your boat docked out front? No, I bet you get that a lot, don't you? Okay. All right, all right, all right. Noah, stand right there. Don't move, don't move. Um, let me see, let me see, let me see. Who do I want to pick on? Raise your hand if you want to be picked on. 
Oh, come on. Nobody? Tiana, come on. I'm picking on you, baby. Come on. Come on. All right. Here we go. <laughs> Don't be fixing your hair now. You should have fixed it before you came to church. Uh, okay. Here we go. So Noah, let's say this is not your money. This is me giving you money, okay? I'm going to give Tiana your 20. You'll get it back, I promise. Okay? And she, I give her your 20, and I say, Tiana, you're going to die tomorrow. Do you have any money? No. You say no. Thank you. You're going to live for years and years and years, and you're going to see your great-grandchildren get married. Okay. Who has more peace? But he doesn't have any money. It's all right. She may have a 20, but she got like 24 hours to spin that joker, right? She has no peace. So what's more important? Peace over prosperity, right? And if you have peace, that's all you need, peace of mind. Baby, we break that curse over you right now. You're going to live. You're going to live and not die, saith the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Y'all give Here, you want that? Okay. All right. Thank you, Noah. <laughs> he didn't know he was going to be a part of an illustrated sermon tonight. But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. I would rather have an abundance of peace in my life than be the most wealthy person in Beaumont. Because a wealthy person can be so messed up, so scared that they've got to lock up every dollar. Lock themselves up to, to the point where they, they can't move. They're literally scared for their life. Scared they're going to lose this. Scared they're going to lose that. But if you have an abundance of peace... You're, you're good to go. You can walk freely. Just like that, that word from the Lord, you can soar. You can live without sweaty palms. You know, you can have sleep. I don't care how much Ambien you take. If you don't have an abundance of peace, you're gonna be, you can sleep, but you're going to be dreaming about all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, I, I don't even want to go. Uh, the Ambien that I took, we had to take, I had to take Ambien to overcome the, the plane, what, what, jet lag from, where do we go? Houston? to London, and then we went to Turkey. We, hu- we hitched another flight to her- Turkey. I hadn't slept. I was walking. I was walking zombie. And so one of our church friends said, I- <laughs> she was dealing drugs, one of our church friends, and she said, I have Ambien just for this, for your jet lag. She gave me an Ambien, and I promise you I, ha- I didn't sleep. Let's just put it that way. I didn't sleep. I had some crazy stuff going on. There was fur coming out of couches. I mean, like, <laughs> whoo! That was some good stuff right there, Kara. <laughs> Abundance of peace is more, it's more important than anything else. Long-suffering. Where am I? Like, how did I even... Fur growing out of couches. Y'all are going to tell Pastor Randon to please stay. Please do not leave her in charge ever again. Don't give her a lapel. Long-suffering is... Bearing with someone. Uh, Definition of long-suffering is someone that has the power to take revenge, but never does. A forgiving, generous heart. Overly generous forgiving. I know people that forgive, but they're not generous with it. You know. I mean, they'll forgive you once, maybe twice. But don't you mess them up a third time. They'll cut you. 
long-suffering. These are all, these are all characteristics of a walk that we're supposed to be uh, showing, showing unsaved people. We're supposed to be living this out. Lowliness, gentleness, long-suffering, bearing with one another. So why, why, some examples of why David was all of these is, let me give you, let me back up. Do you remember when David was trying to be killed by Saul? Okay, if you don't know, y'all need to go read all about David. Beth Moore has the best study on David ever. It will just totally transform your thoughts about who David was and all of that. It's really good. David was running for his life because Saul wanted to stay king, and he knew this kid was hot on his trail. And so uh, he, David had several opportunities to kill King Saul, but he didn't. I'll read you this part. I didn't give this one to you either, Will, but anyways. Uh, in Psalms, let's see here. In Psalms uh, 37, no, 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 I'm sorry, 1 Samuel, my bad. The men, the godly men that David had raised up underneath him that were, that were ready to fight for him, they're the ones that said this. So can you just imagine what your church family would be saying at this point? Now's your opportunity, they said. David's men whispered to him, now's your opportunity. Today the Lord is telling you, <laughs> I will certainly put your enemy into your power to do with as you wish. So David crept forward and cut off a piece of the hem of Saul's robe, which means he was literally within distance to just go up and kill the sucker, but he didn't. He cut off just enough of his robe to prove a point. But I think it's funny, and this will preach all on its own. It has nothing to do with peace. But all of his Christian buddies were saying, the Lord said today's the day to kill him. <laughs> Take him out. The Lord said so. I said that'll preach all on its own, but maybe later. Okay. And so uh, let's see here. It says, uh, but then David's con- uh, conscience began bothering him because he had cut Saul's robe. The Lord knows I shouldn't have done that to my Lord the king, he said to his men. The Lord forbid that I should do this to my Lord the king and attack the Lord's anointed one, for the Lord himself has chosen him. So David restrained his men and did not let them kill Saul. After Saul had left the cave and gone on his way, David came out and shouted after him, My Lord, the king. And when Saul looked around, David bowed down before him. Now, this little, he could have been a punk, you know that? He could have been a punk and been like, I'm not bowing to you. I've already been anointed king. I'm just waiting for you to die. He could have been that way, but he didn't. He respected the fact that the Lord, it wasn't his timing yet. David, even though he was being chased most of his life, a lot of people hated David and want to kill him, okay, even his own sons. But David kept one thing. He kept peace most of the time, and it's because he realized that it's all in God's timing. It's all in God's timing. If you skip down, it says uh, that Saul realizes all of a sudden that because this man has so much lowliness, gentleness, meekness, long-suffering, all of that, he's going to be king. Even a man that doesn't really know the Lord recognizes it on David's life. If you skip down in 1 Samuel 24, it says, um, David says, May the Lord judge between us. Perhaps the Lord will punish you for what you are trying to do to me, but I will never harm you. As that old proverb says, from evil people come evil deeds. So you can be sure I will not harm you. 
He's saying evil people do this kind of stuff. But I'm called to a higher walk. I am called to what he's talking about in Ephesians. I am called to a high calling. And I'm not going to stoop to your level. So let the Lord judge because I'm not going to do it. So who is the king of Israel trying to catch anyway? Should he spend his time chasing one who is worthless as dead dog or a single flea? If you skip down, it, Saul said, or wait, he, yeah, Saul says, You are better man than I am, for you have repaid me good for evil. Yes, you have been amazingly kind to me today, for when the Lord put me in a place where you could have killed me, you didn't do it. Who else would let his enemy get away when, when he had him in his power? Listen, go back to long-suffering. Someone that has the power to take revenge but never does. Okay? Reading on. You didn't do it. So, and now I realize, this is Saul, now I realize that you are surely going to be king and that the kingdom of Israel will flourish under your rule. You know why? Because the meek inherit the earth. When it says meek inherit the earth in Matthew 5, 5, what it means is you will prosper. If you're meek and lowly and long-suffering and you do it even to your enemies, they even have to recognize it on your life. They even have to shut up. Have you ever heard kill them with kindness? I think this might be what they're talking about right here, kill them with kindness. Endeavoring to keep peace. These qualities keep peace. It doesn't mean that you're, you're not strong. It means you're smart. You want to keep the unity, the bond of peace. So instead of returning evil for evil and causing all kinds of uproar, you do the hard thing which causes people to, even if they don't like you, just suck it up and say, dead gummit. She's nice again. I wish she wouldn't be so nice to me all the time. One more reason why I don't like her. When we can bear with the thought of forgiving everyone no matter what and being content with leaving everything else to Jesus, peace will be kept. I think this is the cool part about David. This is the cool part about David is that he knew that it wasn't his time yet. And he wasn't about to do, do, what, do the Lord's business, and that was to judge. He wasn't about to judge and kill King Saul. That's the Lord's business. He said, I'm leaving that in the Lord's hands. Now, you would think that how many people has he killed at this point? He has taken out some people. He has killed some folks. But in this case, he says, I'm not going to touch the Lord's anointed. He put him there. I'm not going to touch him. So I'll just wait for the Lord to do it. When we decide that the Lord's timing is better than our own and we just aren't going to understand a few things, we have so much peace. I, I, I relate it back to my husband in the finances. He does the finances. And I know that just bothers the mess out of some women in here and all kinds of women. They get on to me all the time. Lindsay, you shouldn't let him run all the finances and have his name. Yeah, you got to have. No, y'all, y'all, it makes me happy, okay? 
I don't like to stress over the finances. And when we first got married, we didn't have a, a pot to pee in. And so, uh, it's the truth. I didn't have a pot to pee in, literally. And so, um, my husband did all the finances because I would watch and go, how are we going to pay for this? How are we going to pay for that? And it just kept peace for me not to know anything. Just peace. It was wonderful. And, I, and now that we do have a pot to pee in, I still don't care. I don't want to care. I don't want to know. And, and that, that, uh, this, the beautiful part is, is that Karen knows she gets finances. Finances are her thing. She just gets it. And we live in the same house, the same ranch. And so when I do have a question, and I just want to hold Pastor Rennan accountable, I go to Kara. <laughs> is this right? No, I'm just... <laughs> See, so it's, it's nice to have a buddy on your side that, that gets that kind of stuff, okay? But if you just go, you know what? I trust that my husband has my best interest at heart and that he's not going to um, wreck me because he knows that he, he can't make it without me. And so we're all good. We're all good. If you just decide that the Lord is not going to... He worked too hard to get you into... To, to the kingdom of God. He worked too hard. He found you in a club. He got you in church. He had your mama praying for hours at night. Why would he want to mess you all up, mess your testimony all up? He's got it. So just because we don't get it all, just be okay with not getting it. And peace will just overtake you. I don't know, and I just love that I don't know. Sometimes I think ignorance is bliss. It really is. Uh, naturally, our human instinct is to combat the, the people that don't show lowliness or meekness. What is the opposite of lowliness, long-suffering, and meekness? Not pride. Pride. Judgment. Our human nature is to combat those, right? Uh, you ever walk in and just somebody rubbing you the wrong way because they're so prideful and you want to just bump them down a few notches. You work extra hard just so that they understand that they're not as bad as they think they are. Have, y'all, don't, y'all don't know? Man, I'm definitely human in here. The rest of you are all spiritual beings and I'm the only human one. Uh, the other is, is when you um, judgmental. If you ever judge your teenager, if you are overly judgmental with your teenager, I'm just letting you know right now, it's going to go the opposite direction for you. <laughs> it's just so you know, if you judge the fact that they went out and disobeyed you and you handle it the wrong way, you're probably going to get more disobedient. So just watch out how much judgment you make on them, okay? Because if you don't want the one earring, you might end up with 10. I'm just saying. So you tend to push back. There's a pushback. And he's saying that naturally humans are like this. So the natural bond of peace would come if you are meek and lowly and long-suffering, right? Proverbs 16, chapter 16, verse 7. When people's lives please the Lord, even their enemies are at peace with them. That's because there's nothing to make them mad except the fact that you're being so nice, you know? It's a natural instinct for us. Another incubator for peace. Do you all know what an incubator is? You know, like where they put the babies in the incubator and that need extra oxygen and all. they have to watch their heart rate and all that kind of stuff. So that's what I mean is, is that peace does not belong to it. Peace is only found in Him. 
We can't create peace. It exists in him. So once we have him, how do we sustain or keep peace? So that's why I'm saying an incubator for peace. We have to create incubators to keep pushing that peace up in us, stirring that peace up in us when we have Jesus in our lives as our Lord and Savior. We have to keep feeding it. Does that make sense? Keep feeding it and keep breathing life into it, saying, oh, peace is going to be mine. Another one is in Psalms uh, 119, verse 165. I don't have will anymore. (laughs) Great peace have those who love your law, and nothing causes them to stumble. Okay. I can't help it. When you obey the word of God, you have peace. It's just how it is. And people don't, some people don't like you talking about obeying his law because they say we live under grace. But the bottom line is grace is the fulfillment of the law. It's exactly what I just touched on in the first scripture that I opened with. Because he does love us, we want to do this. Not because we are earning his love. Y'all get that? So in other words, if we still have to do the things in the word, it's only going to create peace within us. Because people that love instruction have peace. And people say, I don't, we don't preach on sin. Look at that. I'm telling you, you better obey the word of God or you're not going to have peace in your life. There it is. Bam. If you don't do it, you're sinning. Bam. You like it? Just got it in there. <laughs> I enjoy instruction. I'm not going to lie to you. I am not a dominant personality. Um, I have plenty of those in my life, and um, I enjoy being told what to do. And typically, if it's wrong, I go with it anyways. So, like, um, yeah, it's true. Like, we've gotten ourselves into a lot of tight situations in the, at the ranch because um, I just do whatever Kara tells me to do. So if she's wrong, uh, both of us are wrong. <laughs> so, um, like, when my husband and I, when Kara or my husband ride in the car with me, they point. They tell me which way to turn. I never know where I'm going. They just point and I just go. So if we get lost, it's all their fault. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing, right? I'm just not one of those dominant people. I, don't, I like instruction. I like you to tell me which way to go. I'll do it with a smile. I'm very easygoing like that. But, you know, I'm not, and, and, and the pro, here's, here's, in lies the problem. I have a tendency to not put the brakes on when we're going the wrong way, okay? But I have my husband to do that for me. But instruction will keep you in this state of peace. Well, I'm just going to do what the Lord said. Well, I don't, if the Lord's not speaking right now, well, then I'm just going to wait on what the Lord said. There's no harm in waiting, waiting, just waiting. I don't know what to do, so I'm just going to wait, If someone's pressuring you to make a decision and you haven't heard from the Lord yet, they might be like those friends of David that are saying, the Lord said to kill him. (laughs) If you don't know yet or you feel like you haven't been instructed by God, hold on. Hold on to peace. You know, Pastor now always talks about, uh, she says, follow peace. Just follow peace because it's him. Peace is in him. Why, why do we do this? 
Because the more that we become, we follow instruction and we follow the word of God and we implement it into our lives, the more we're transformed to be like him. And who is he? He is peace. So the more that we follow his word, the more we become like him, the more we are in him and the more peace we have. Does that make sense? Two huge pieces of the puzzle to creating, helping keep peace in your life. Now, Here's, that's ways you can keep the peace, okay? But what if you don't have any peace at all? Like, you, you don't even have a baby in the incubator. Like, you, you are, like, you, you, see, you know what I'm saying? You don't even, like, forget trying to get the baby to have some oxygen and feeding the baby. You don't even have a baby in the incubator. You don't have no peace. There is no peace in your life. What then? Well, if we read Isaiah 53... Verse 5, but he, Jesus, was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. I had this, I've been told this before. You, you know how you, you read the same things over and over again your whole life, and then one day the light bulb goes off and you went, Oh my gosh, why is that? Has that been there the whole time? And I went, we always, it's, it's, you know, it's on us, the church. We, we pray, we say that Jesus went to the cross for our sin, right? It's right there. He went to the cross for our sin. He took it. He took care of it. He was beaten for our healing. So we have no problem, Spirit-filled church, man, we have no problem saying you claim your healing, you walk in your salvation, but what about the chastisement for our peace? When I, I've, I mean, I read, I defined chastisement. I looked at chastisement in the Bible, and I went all around chastisement, and I said, is this, you got beaten for our peace? No, not really. See, what happened was when they mocked him, when they put a crown of thorns on his head and said, oh, what kind of king are you now? You know, when they said, uh, when they stripped him of his clothes and embarrassed him, you know, he was not, he did not have a shred of cloth. Did y'all know that? I didn't. For years I didn't know. I just thought they had one little piece of cloth directly. He was naked. Humiliated. That chastisement was for our peace. Our peace. So not only do we claim our healing and our salvation at the cross, we claim our peace at the cross. It's ours to claim. And guess what? You are running around like a chicken with your head cut off, and you could be claiming peace the whole time. It's ours to claim. If you don't, then you're not taking hold of every advantage that the Lord went to the cross for. It's ours. It's in Him. It's in Him. In John uh, 14, uh, verse 27, it says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. He's saying to him, I'm going to leave peace here for you, just like I'm leaving your salvation, just like I'm leaving your healing. I'm leaving this peace for he here for you. And if you don't grab hold of it, then you're missing out. But you have to grab it and claim it for your own. Have you ever laid hands on your head and just said, peace, 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 peace? It's amazing how, how much money we throw into um, 
lavender oils. I love lavender. I mean, I, I will be the first one to light every candle in my house and put lavender bubble bath and calm everybody down and, and try to turn soft music on. But the bottom line is, is that if there ain't no baby in the incubator, <laughs> there's, it's not doing you any good. If you're not grabbing your piece and saying, this was mine at the cross, so I can be meek all day long, but I, if I'm not claiming my peace, well then, I'm not doing any good in the first place. The only way we have peace is in Him. We can become more like Him and build that up in us. We can, we can be long-suffering, meek. We can be gentle. We can, be, we can walk our lives according to the call He has placed on us, which gives us peace. But the more steps we take in Him and the more we claim what is rightfully ours, that's when we have more peace. So stop trying to uh, create peace. Live in it. Keep it. It's not yours. You get it because he gave it freely, just like salvation. So claim it. You don't have to create it. Claim it and keep it. Amen? Somebody, there is somebody here tonight that is struggling with peace of mind. And I don't know who it is. But I know that the Lord went to very detailed measure to make sure it got across. I, he was speaking to me yesterday. He was clearly speaking today. And he said, I, I want somebody here tonight to claim their peace. It's waiting on them. I died for it. I was chastised for it. And somebody needs to claim it tonight. Amen? Amen. Father, I just ask that you would... I just want to thank you. I want to thank you for making it a part of going to the cross, that you made it a part of it, that you took the chastisement for our, for our peace. And right now we ask, we don't want to leave any gift. We don't want to leave any gift. We want to receive it all, every part of it, everything that you took at, to the cross, we want it all. We want the salvation, we want the healing, we want the peace, we want all of it, Father. And so right now I ask that you would renew our minds, that you would cast down every stronghold that's been placed on us. The word that you gave was carrying around corpses of old thoughts. We cut them off tonight. They have no right. They have no authority. Because of you, they have no authority. So, Father, right now, renew our minds. Father, I thank you that when we go to sleep tonight, that sleep would be multiplied, that we would have peaceful thoughts, peaceful dreams, that you would be able, the Holy Spirit would be able to whisper in our ears and we would be able to hear him clearly because there's no worry and doubt clouding our thoughts and our dreams. Father, I just speak and I prophesy that old things that the devil has used to torment us have to be cut off, cast down in the name of Jesus. We thank you for it. We claim it. We claim peace of mind tonight. And every time the enemy wants to bring it back to us, Father, give us the wisdom to know when to shut him up. That we could decipher What's you and, and what's, what's thoughts that are being placed in us that are not of you? That we would have, be able to see clearly, Father. I just thank you for it. I ask that you would bless your people tonight as they leave, Father. As they become more like you in every way. As they walk called, highly called. As they walk their lives highly called of you, Father, and become more like you. That you would bless them 
above and beyond, above and beyond what they could have imagined, Father. I just thank you for it right now. We seal it. Holy Spirit, go to work. Go to work on them tonight. Go to work on me tonight. Father, write on our hearts. As we leave, Let just take, take your pen, your Holy Spirit pen, and begin to write on our hearts the things that you have desired for us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen.